0: How do you build a life and a business around posting videos online? Maybe it's the influencer department. I have with me, Benji Travis. Him and his wife have accumulated over 3 million subscribers across various YouTube channels. The word OG, original gangster, I think of the Travis family. What is a vlog or what is vlogging? A vlog
1: is a video blog. All YouTube did was take the blog world and make it into a video world. Since 2020, there has been a shift from that high production world, from that highly edited, scripted, and
0: people just wanted real people. Hey, dude, I tried. I vlogged for 30 days and I'm not getting the views. How would you encourage somebody to get more views with vlogs? The beginner out there, that's just starting and has
1: priorities, has commitments, has a family, has a business, right? You just start little by little. And over time, and this is the way YouTube works, you're putting in those reps, you're learning what works, you're gaining skills and you're improving, and then out of nowhere, that's what can happen. It doesn't matter what the metric is. Don't get me wrong, we have our ups and downs in terms of views, right? We make a living, a seven-figure living still to this day. But that's not what drives her. What drives her is.
0: Dude, I'm glad you're here. What's
1: going on? It's good to be on the other side because how many times did you see me having to do the intro on all my videos? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I mean, mean literally, I'm staring at you and, and now and no, I'm staring at you right now, but you were staring at me all those years. So uh, congratulations, by the way. This is amazing.
0: Honored to be here and I'm pumped. I'm so excited to get into this conversation because there is so much opportunity now, and what's crazy is you've been your career. You've spent over a decade posting videos online, um, exp- you know, showing your families uh, and and all the growth, and you've built like this fan base. It's it's incredible, but anyone can do this.
1: 100 percent.
0: And I do want uh, to see how you know. I want to break down some of why can somebody just start and go out there. But could you talk about a little bit? Uh, Maybe define what a vlog is, because this is something you're hopped up on right now, which most people they have a preconceived definition of it. So, what is a vlog, or what is vlogging? Okay, so I'll
1: start pretty bluntly. A lot of people said vlogging's dead because there was a certain style of vlogging that people knew that term for. And it was the jump cuts, uh, it it was all edited and it became highly produced. There's these personalities doing extreme things. Even family channels started getting kind of crazy. But if you think about the OG days of vlogging and really the beginning of YouTube, a vlog is a video blog. What's a blog? A blog is just some written form of work, focus on some niche, some topic, some hobby, some passion, some thoughts. And all YouTube did was take the blog world and make it into a video world. Mm -hmm. And a great example of this is Michelle Fawn. So my wife, you mentioned she's she's truly the OG, the superstar of my life, right?
0: Which is Judy Travis. Judy maybe, Travis. Maybe people don't didn't know that. Better I,
1: known as it's Judy's life and it's Judy time when she first started. Right. Michelle Phan was the OG of the makeup world. A lot of people don't know this, but her first video was a request from her blog readers, mm. and she thought, "Wow, people want to get a video version of me." She thought that was kind of awkward. Like, I guess I'll try it she uploaded one of the first makeup looks on YouTube, but posted it on her uh, blog site. So she was just using YouTube as a platform, really as a tool to bring video to her blog. Mm. And that's how everything started. In fact, in the early days, you probably don't even know this. A lot of the early creators were bloggers. So a vlog is just a video blog. And vlogger took the form of an extended version of those video blogs. And then that's how you got the term vlogger. Think about the diversity in vloggers. So Judy, myself, family vloggers, we started out with no family. It was just the two of us, really, dating. And then we got married, and then we had kids. Then you have Casey Neistat doing all the crazy stuff. Would I mean- you say he messed that
0: up then? No, no. Because one- he kind of kept his, like, he kind of kept it pretty simple, but he definitely added a flair. Actually, no one messed it up. Okay, It's the natural
1: evolution of anything successful because this mm. is what happens. I mean, you probably can relate to this. Anybody in the video production world, uh, Sean Cannell was the one that told me about Casey Neistat before he became a daily vlogger everybody wants to become whatever successful. You know this, whether it's coaching courses, selling products, you know, marketing, Uh, people want that success, they want to make money, and it was no different with vlogging. So it was just this mad race to become a vlogger and compete, and what happens? You start getting more optimized, you start getting more high production, you have a team and doing all things, and that is actually what died, not because it wasn't working, it wasn't sustainable. But if you go back to the early days, and this is when I'm pumped about not just vlogging, but YouTube in general, we're going back to the days mm. where it's a lot more toned down and it's easier. And Sam Sulek is the example yes. right now. This was so crazy. 10 years ago when Casey was on fire up to 2015, you know, even the heyday of my wife when she was running three different channels and top of the mountain, Never in a million years did, I think, someone like a Sam Sulek would have such notoriety and success if you show me his videos. right?
0: Because it was just like what we were doing in 2008. Right, and if you don't know who Sam Sulek is, he's he just is a super buff 21 year old, about yeah. 21. Yeah. And he just records his workouts, records his weight, his drive onto the workout. Very minimal editing, like literally just a cut. And he talks to the camera and he has completely blown up. Are you looking to take your content more serious this year in your business or your brand? Or maybe you're looking to figure out better ways that you can monetize the content that you're putting out to convert your viewers into customers and all those various things. Well, I'm excited to announce my next challenge is coming up, the Content to Cash Challenge. We're gonna be breaking down everything you need to know to make sure that you crush content this year. No more uploading videos and crossing your fingers. That's not a strategy. And I'm gonna be giving you the mindset the tool set and the skill set needed to kill it this year, both on YouTube and on vertical platforms like Instagram, TikTok, and things like that. So I would encourage you to jump into the challenge and if you get a VIP ticket, I'm gonna be doing live Q&A every single day of the challenge. So I'll get your personalized questions answered on these Zoom calls and I'd love to see you there. Jump in, the link is in the description and in the show notes. Let's get back into the
1: combo. Totally, and there's some secrets in there that he might not even realize uh, is why they're watching, but the point is, if you compare it to any kind of high production, he's a one-man solo solopreneur, you know, like he doesn't have a team, he might have people behind the scenes, I don't know. But what I see, anybody can replicate, and you say this often, with your phone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: with a phone. You don't even need the microphone. He uses a fancy microphone. I know He clips you, it onto his hat. Totally. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of kids buying it, right? You don't even need that. You literally just need your phone because the phone has come so far away. And the reason I bring him up is because a lot of people do know of him. There's been a lot of videos of him. You see a lot of short form content that he doesn't even put out. It's other people putting <laughs> out his content because when you have a 30, 45, 60 minute video, you know, there's a lot of content there. You know this from podcasts. But what's exciting is he's not the only one. Mm -hmm. Since 2020, there has been a shift from that high production world, from that highly edited, scripted, produced world that got almost to the point kind of cringy to people because they took it to the extreme. And people just wanted real people. They wanted the kind of content that they connect with. One of my favorite examples in the food world is a guy named Kenji Lopez. Now, we're not friends. I don't really know him. But during the pandemic, in the midst of short-form content creators blowing up and all kinds of you know food channels, and I started in food on YouTube for my own channel, and it got super produced. You got chefs in there. He just put a GoPro on his forehead mm. and just started cooking and didn't edit anything. So his videos, when I was watching, it was like 16 minute video just to teach how to cook uh, chicken wings. I watch every single second. I watched that video two, three, four times to learn how to do chicken wings. Now he taught you a lot, and he actually has a blog post, by the way, how to make chicken wings without deep frying. The point is, I wasn't the only one. That video probably has a million plus views, mm. on top of hundreds of GoPro only solo creator mode no editing from beginning to end type of content, video, blog, slower, more casual, more connection. And that's what people want. And the reason I know this for a fact, views don't lie. Mm -hmm. YouTube promotes a thing that people want to watch because people are watching it.
0: Yeah, I was talking with Shaleen last week and um, she was saying how probably YouTube and TikTok are the best algorithms to spot authenticity relatability and, um, transparency. And it's, it's weird how it just knows how to do that. And something I love about what, how Judy has built her, you know, subscriber base and fan base because Judy would be considered a, a beauty vlogger, you know, and you could fill in like, I guess Sam Selleck is like a fitness vlogger. Um, but is that she is very approachable. I think obviously like the heritage, you know, being Filipino American, um, but she isn't this like what you would think beauty models type look like she just was the mom i'm going to show you how to make makeup using target and i love the story that you say like she just stacked shoe shoe she didn't have a tripod originally she just stacked shoe boxes and then rested the camera up top like there is just something about this rawness that people are really uh attracted to right now
1: they want it again in fact you know it's funny i don't know if this is too much information for your viewers but you started the day off with kind of vlog type of footage. You walked in the door and said, hey, guys, I got some special guests in. That wasn't highly produced. There was no light. You had the fancy little microphone, right?
0: I wasn't. Not even. I was just using the phone. Super.
1: <laughs> oh, the phone? Yeah. So that's my point. Why are you doing that? See, one thing I really respect about you, Omar, is you have an instinct not only about camera equipment, but about the audience. You, you know that even though there's a place for a high production, right? And like this interview is, you probably have one of the best interview setups. You're like the pro. You used to mm. shoot me and Sean for video influencers. But you understand that there's something different about that vlog style content that even though the old style of vlogging is dead, there's this new style of vlogging that's just going back to the OG days of YouTube. So yeah, I so talk cool. about the new... Way to YouTube. And vlogging is a term I would use because people can relate to it. And if you think about just vlogging in general, going back to how my wife started, it's way easier Mm -hmm. and it's accessible to anybody, including a big buff dude that doesn't know anything about (laughs) editing that literally has a, probably a tripod camera holder and he's like pumping iron and in between he's like, okay guys, (laughs) I kind of hurt. I had this random thought today and, you know, I think that the reason that cable machine talking about just whatever, yeah. there's one other thing I want to mention about vlogs. It lets you get deeper into your obsession. Mm. So highly produced videos. My wife was the one that taught me to do short videos teaching about different recipes. But if you love food and you're obsessed with ingredients and techniques that's why I watched a 16 minute version of a video that could be three minutes because I'm obsessed with it. You're obsessed with camera equipment, with production, with the whole world around video. So you probably have watched long form content. How yeah. many people are listening to podcasts right now? A ton. And are they listening to five minutes, 10 minutes or two and three hours?
0: Dude, the Cat Williams joint it was almost three hours. It has like 30 million views. Those are really easy to replicate. But what's fun
1: about the YouTube style of vlogging, where it's run and gun, where you're using your Mm -hmm. phone, it's more real. It's even more authentic because you're bringing them into your kitchen, into your studio, into the place you work, around the thing you're obsessed about. What's happening is long form podcast, vlog style content is being combined in the new style of vlogging with some special tips and tricks that we've learned in the last decade about how to optimize for getting views on YouTube. And that's what's happening with people like Sam Solik, and that's why I'm excited about 2024 and what's happening because anybody can execute that themselves, even if they're a beginner.
0: That's really good, so yeah. So I hope at this point people know that it is accessible. We know like, you have your phone, just start making videos. But can you speak to the person? Because there are people who give it a shot, and by give it a shot, like a valent effort. Hey, dude, I tried. I vlogged for thirty days, and I'm not getting the views. Who? How would you encourage somebody to get more views with vlogs? So let's rewind to
1: what vlogging used to be. My wife, Casey Neistat, all the famous vloggers before. There is one big thing about them that people forgot: they already built an audience so they could just live vlog themselves, brushing their teeth, eating their breakfast, riding a skateboard. Of course he was riding it and it's like a drone following him, so it's pretty epic. But still, he was just doing all kinds of random stuff and people are watching it. People want to replicate that. So they went out and brushed their teeth, cooked uh, cooked like a meal, rode a skateboard, did drone shots and got no views. And that's what frustrated them and that's what made them quit. Mm. The old style relied on an audience. The new style relies on best practices of YouTube, something very focused, right? You don't necessarily have to have a big audience. You already know this. You coach people. Can somebody with no audience but have a skill or an expertise or a profession that they've been part of, optimize their video and get views on day one if everything is perfect and it hits the algorithm? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's kind of up in the air. I think it just all depends, right? Repetition is really important. By the way, that's another secret too with vlogging because it's so much easier. You get those reps in. Yep, Um, that's really going back to what you're asking though. The new way of vlogging doesn't rely on a big audience. It doesn't rely on you um, having this high production. The new way of vlogging relies on whatever it is that you're an expert in. And why I love the new style that I'm actually coaching people on right now is because before, if you didn't have an audience, you got no views and you quit. Now what I'm telling people is start with whatever you have fun with. See, that's good. they're trying to replicate what they think is fun right. versus what actually is fun. Because when you're having fun creating content, you don't stop. And people, people also feel that energy. Not only do they feel that energy, right? It just, it doesn't connect mm-hmm. versus, I mean, you and I can really connect on one thing, which is coffee. Yeah. Right? We love coffee. I could drink coffee all day. It's I an can, understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can, I can make espressos for everybody. I'm like trying to do latte. I literally invite people over <laughs> no to do latte art for them because I don't want to dump it in the sink. Yeah. If you have a passion that you will just do for free, that's the perfect style vlog. Mm. Even if it's not the thing that becomes your business or make money, how important would you say the reps are when it comes to YouTube?
0: I mean, it's everything. It's the only path to success on YouTube is repetition.
1: And your business called the video department, right? Yeah. How many videos
0: did you shoot, edit, upload before you hit it big? I mean, there's like me, with me on, in, on camera or even... All, I mean, there's the, the time after Everything. Dude, I mean, well over thousands. Like you're talking reps on reps, for sure.
1: Those reps are so important. So if you quit, you don't get the reps in. But if you're doing something you have fun, you're passionate about, you'll just do it forever. And you see this in the vlogging world. When Judy first started doing the vlog, there was no ambition of we're going to make money, we're going to get all these brand deals. She just wanted to do something that she thought would be like behind the scenes, her viewers were kind of asking for it. It was supposed to be 30 days of vlogs. Mm-hmm. That literally turned into almost 13 years of vlogging. And the, at the end of the day, the number one secret, because everybody asked me, I don't personally edit those vlogs. My wife has edited, I want to say 99%. i wild. I've, I've uploaded the other, you know, I've edited, uploaded maybe the other 1% but what kept her going was it was always fun. Mm. She enjoyed the process. When you enjoy the process, you can get through the challenges, you can get through the hurdles, you can get through all those bumps in the road that are necessary to succeed in life and business or whatever, including YouTube, vlogs, creating video.
0: I love that, and it, and I think there's something about, you don't have to love the process like Judy loved the process. You can actually assess like, Hey, I don't like filming myself. Well, maybe you, if you have the, in your means to hire somebody to just film me, even if it's on the phone, it still works or okay. Like really like editing just kills. I think I always like to encourage people if, if, if there's an obstacle that's preventing you from actually doing it, try to optimize that, use relationships and things like that to get it done. So you said like consistently for over 13 years, okay. Did she ever experience burnout and, and, and why did she, if she did? No. She never experienced burnout. Well, the numbers
1: don't lie. The uh, uploads, the only time she has not uploaded is for when there's a passing of a family member, when there's something like a funeral she has to go to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to make this dark or no, morbid, same. but that's the reality. Okay. But even during those seasons, she's back to creating content, editing, because she loves it. This is one of the number one things. This is why, I mean, this is a really bold statement to me she's more of a beast and a like a success story than Casey ever will be because she never quit and she never got mm. burnt out. Casey talks about this. I'm not discounting burnout. People do. The reason you burn out is because either you're not doing what is fun to you or you're not doing it the way you want to do it. Mm. That's the new style of vlogging. Do it the way you want to do it. Do it around what you love to do, even if you didn't get paid, because you will do that forever. You and I, let, let's just be frank. Do you think you'll be making espressos and lattes and coffee drinks for the rest of your life? 100. You could probably start a coffee channel and you'd be successful, especially with everything you know with video production. The point is, you're going to do it no matter if you get paid or not. That is really the secret, mm. right? They say, like, follow your passion. And the profit follows that. Yep. It's the same with YouTube. It's almost necessary to start that way. Like I said, you don't have to end that way because the reps are so important. Yeah. You know. You and I both know a lot of successful creators. Yeah. And it's funny because we try to coach people to get shortcuts, to maybe <laughs> I mean, skip a few steps. Want.
0: That's what people want. But I think with coaching, it's more or less to make less mistakes more than it is to get the shortcut. 100%. And yeah.
1: then some people do, right? They, they can succeed in a year, in six months, or a month. But generally speaking, even those people still need to put in the reps, arguably. The people that have succeeded a little more fast either put in the reps before and they didn't even know it or are putting in the reps in an extreme way right now because I have to do it. I have to get this done right now for myself, for my family, for my legacy. Uh, And and that relentlessness is what makes them succeed. This is why vlogging, if you think about it, around something you love gives you those reps where you learn the lessons. Even though I've been on YouTube since 2008, wrote this book called YouTube Secrets, I obsess over YouTube. I actually don't know everything about YouTube. In fact, anybody that said they do know everything about YouTube is crazy because there's such a huge variety and a huge sea of content out there. The only way you learn the real secrets, if I were to sum up the YouTube Secrets, is to actually do YouTube. Mm, because in good. the process of creating content and uploading, looking at the data, uh, looking at the feedback, you will know what it is you should do around your content, around your niche, around your genre, around your industry, around your business. It's unique to every creator. But if you don't put in the reps, you're not going to see right. all that.
0: And I think that's what people are robbing themselves from is the feedback. Because people don't realize like, oh, YouTube's actually going to tell me like you know, people aren't aren't clicking on my videos. They're gonna say, Hey, this video is really good. Start making videos more like this. And it it's it when you're not putting in those uploads and you're not giving it consistently, then yes, you're not gonna get that feedback. And so it's like it's like a two-way double-edged sword that you're like killing yourself on. That might be extreme, but yeah, yeah, for you know.
1: sure. I mean, this this is one reason why I know for a fact one of the reasons you're successful is those thousands of uploads, not only for yourself for other people for clients Mm -hmm. you know people that you work with all those hundreds of videos that we filmed together you were learning you were going through the process and what sustained you all those years even though you weren't necessarily as successful as you are right now did you love it or were you miserable i enjoyed it you enjoyed it yeah see i always say this everybody has to work hard everybody has to hustle everybody's gonna have to go through some hard times. Would you rather be miserable through that or would you rather enjoy the process? It's pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. The way to do it is find whatever it is that you're passionate about and you start there. Even if, like I said, where you end up is different.
0: That's really good. And so, you know- By
1: the way, that's a long way of answering. That's why Judy hasn't burnt out. That's why even in 2024, she is still editing, she's still uploading. Because I'll tell you a little story about her. When she was in high school, she loved writing in her diary, mm. daily diary. She's just documenting her That's life. That's a
0: good way of thinking about it.
1: And then when she first started doing the daily vlog, it was an extended version of it. Mm. She was just doing the thing she loved. You could almost say the physical diary was like a digital blog. You know, like it was like a blog yeah. and she made the video version of it. And that's why it doesn't matter what the metric is. Don't get me wrong. We have our ups and downs in terms of views, right? Yeah. We make a living, a seven-figure living still to this day. But that's not what drives her. What drives her is documenting her life. So, good. so whatever that is for you, you need to start doing that because it's going to be able to sustain you. And potentially, and this is what's funny. You might be able to actually make a lot of money and make it your lifestyle,
0: but you just haven't started. Have you ever wondered to yourself or asked yourself the question when you watch my content, how the heck does Omar's quality of video look and sound so dang crispy? It's literally the number one question I get asked, whether it's privately in the DMs or people commenting on my videos on Instagram or even on YouTube. The reality is I believe the quality of videos that I've been able to produce has been the recipe to my success Online, and I want to give you access to my live document where I've listed out everything I use both for the podcasts I create to the YouTube videos I make, as well as to what I use for my smartphone to make it look and sound amazing. The reason I put it on a live doc is because I keep this document updated in real time with everything that I'm using. So just head over to thevideodep.co forward slash crispy or just click the link down in the show notes. Let's get back to the conversation. Dude, I love that because because like it might like I, I teach content formats and that's what vlogging is a content format and then you also have talking head video you have live streaming you have faceless now um you have um you know what, what what other ones do I teach I teach like video podcasting is a content yes. format and I think giving them a shot is really key because one what's going to resonate you know one way to doing it you know I, when I think about her starting out of pure passion and I think a lot of successful youtubers start from a place of bliss like oh this is exciting like oh i can do this but yeah the money doesn't come first the money follows so what would you say was the first time you were like oh because you weren't making a living right out of the way what were you guys doing at that time by the way well
1: again the old way of becoming a vlogger was we already had an audience right she had a makeup channel i had before the makeup channel channel
0: what were you guys doing for work oh
1: Shoot, I was working at a, a YMCA, you know, like at a, a rec right. center. Okay. I was also doing real estate kind of on the side. Judy was uh before she was going to school full-time and she was working a full-time job, and she started, you know, the shoebox tripod yeah. days and a crappy camera. So we weren't even we had no ambitions. We had no skills, we had no experience in this uh, industry, in this world of content creation. It wasn't even called content creation. Yeah. There was no label, there was no creator or YouTuber. It was just this weird thing that you would record yourself and upload. Those are the early vlogs. But that's how we started. Yeah, And that's why even today, that's actually a benefit to you if you're starting from zero Mm. because you're not tainted by like, oh, I have to do it this way. I got to do what they're doing. There's no context, no history about that person. So don't take it too seriously if you're starting from zero because we didn't take it very seriously in the beginning. We like had fun with it.
0: Do you remember the moment where you guys had that conversation of like, oh my goodness, this is going to change our lives.
1: I did. It was the first time we had hit $16,000 a month. Mm. And it went from like- I think like it took 16K, y'all. you bougie. <laughs> no, I'm
0: just kidding. Well,
1: I'll tell you why that was significant. It was because we were making less than we could live on wow. before that. And it, it was just out of nowhere. So three or four years into it, we weren't really making that much money,
0: right? Dude, just three an- or four years into it. I hope that doesn't discourage people, but- Again, it goes back
1: to the repetition. what is it? Well, not just the repetition, doing something that you love doing, mm. right? At the time, it was makeup. It was beauty. For me, I was just supporting her. If you look at her, her old videos, it's my real estate mm-hmm. hustle office <laughs> with all my sticky notes and my books and everything. It was ugly, right? And she still loved doing it. Uh, her lighting, by the way, this is a funny story. Her lighting was like different uh, temperature light bulbs. Yeah. It was all the different lamps in the house That's that I brought funny. in. And I was like, okay, I got you good lighting. Like <laughs> she'd go from green to like peach to like orange or whatever. And so, yeah, it was years of that. Mm. She got denied for the partner program in the era where you had to wait six months wow. after getting denied. She got denied three times. Snap. Now she was doing some brand deals. That was kind of like, like our early opportunities, but definitely not necessarily making enough to quit and go full time. It was a a few years into it when we jumped from doing less than a full time living to making $16,000 in a month. The reason I tell that story, and by the way, I've never talked about that before. You never know when it's going to hit. That's kind of the nature of social media, yeah. but especially YouTube. When it comes to videos, you've probably had this experience. You're uploading and there's a certain amount of views and you know, you're know you optimizing, you're improving. You're like, okay, I see that that works. I got more comments. This one kind of had a little bump. Maybe I'll try to do this, extend it. And then out of nowhere, something goes viral. Well, for us, that was that moment. Mm. And that was about three years into it. And I was like, honey... I think that we could both quit what we're doing and we could go all in. She's like, are you serious? It's like, look how much money we make. And I knew at that moment, because before I looked at YouTube as just this fun thing that she was passionate about. I'm gonna support her. I never looked at it as a full-time opportunity kind of you know deal. And I said, okay, if they're paying you this much for what you're doing, imagine if we were to double your views, triple your views. Because she was doing this all while going to school, Mm. all while working a full-time job. So, well, she graduated, of course, and um, and said, if you don't have your full-time job and you're putting all your hours into it. And the reason I say that is because for the beginner out there that's just starting and has priority, has commitments, has a family, has a business, right? Has all kinds of things that they have to uh, uh, commit to and prioritize. You just start little by little. And over time, and this is the way YouTube works, you're putting in those reps, you're learning what works, you're gaining skills, and you're improving. And then out of nowhere, that's what can happen. And it's happened so many times. And it isn't unique to that era where you know we were early in the game. Mm-hmm. It's still happening in 2024 in a much bigger way. And I mean, you know, there's people that make even more than that um, in their first, you know, like go at it.
0: Yeah. So you said that 16 K was like a mixture of brand deals and AdSense Yes, collectively. So that's interesting that you knew. And by the way, this is so cool. You did a beats by, you got paid by, Beats by Dre to do an ad. Yes, and this is before I think they even knew what they were necessarily yeah. connecting to. It's cringy
1: when you look at that video because <laughs> that would never go these yeah, days right. because of branding rules. Right. Um. And guess what? Again, I was just having fun, right? Uh, I was wearing the headphones. I was doing laundry because <laughs> oh, the the thing that they want to promote is um, what is it when you when you have uh, no sound.
0: Noise canceling?
1: Yeah, it was an yeah. early version of noise canceling. Mm. So, you know, I wasn't being distracted by things and I was just climbing a tree. Literally, I was climbing a tree with it and like I being a I think you used goof. the restroom. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, that was my first personal brand deal. The only reason she didn't do it is because she, you know, she wasn't interested in that. But I was like... I love headphones. You know, I love electronics and Beats by Dre. That's pretty dope. So I took it on. It's funny you bring that
0: up. Because did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you? They reached out to me. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. like I know brand deals and I want to get into it. But like, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, for sure. It's like, I think people know it's happening, but like I'm even right now in a season you're helping me consulting yes. and coaching, yeah. but like kind of working around, because this is a really cool opportunity because what people don't realize is that creating videos even out of passion, it could turn into it. It turns into a business. Yes. You're, tra- you're 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 transacting something. Yeah. But that the crazy thing that you promoting your business by making videos that you want to make can actually be rewarded by being paid to promote your business. Like it's kind of like this crazy. I know dynamic. I keep
1: exhausting this whole reps. The importance of reps, and it's funny you bring up that old video, right? Because not only is it cringy, I would never do anything like that ever again but was necessary part of the process. Yeah. Because 10 years later, I'm way better at doing brand deals. I'm way better at creating content. I'm way more refined as a creator. And so like if we're going to get into brand deals, what's interesting when you think about why creators are in such high demand from brands is because the act of creating content is not easy. Mm. And if you're a creator that already has an audience and knows how to create content, you do laps around these businesses, these brands, even production companies. I remember I had a brand deal to shoot a one minute spot for this. um, You know, it was like an appliance company or something. They had 20 people in my house for something Judy could have done. All by herself now this was the era where brands didn't always trust creators are like hey can we send in a production company we're gonna have all these like red cameras there was a guy there that his only job was to archive content he takes everybody's SD cards and he literally was doing nothing all day and then for an hour at the end of the day all he did was put it into hard drives and then put it into like a UPS uh, Mm. package and send it off that was the whole thing point I'm saying is creators Literally do everything. So, the, the secret to brand deals is to know your skill as a content creator producing videos is so valuable because it would cost the brands mm. so much to do it on their own. Number one, because they don't know how to do it and they might have to buy a camera and they get equipment and then you know they hire consultants and coaches and then inevitably they might hire a production company. You, as a creator. Or like an all-in-one solution. And it's always been like that. Since we started and got our first brand deals in 2008 and 2009, all the way to right now. Yes, there's some creators that have like leveled it up and have a team and do all that stuff. But there's plenty that are still doing it by themselves. And even with the high rates that they can charge are mind-blowing to the average person, especially somebody just starting out, it's still less than how much it would cost the brands. That's actually the beginning to understanding your value as a creator. So now we're getting into creators that maybe know how to create content, um, have uh, created an audience, have been doing
0: this for years. At what point you would say, yeah, what what point would you say it's a good time to start seeking out brand deals? though? When they start reaching out to you. Oh,
1: okay. Okay, so in my first year of doing brand deals, right, we're we're saying like 2009, 2010-ish, That was the only time I ever reached out to brands. It was for my wedding, right? Judy's got 200 plus family members. I had 50, right? That's a big (laughs) wedding we had to pay for. I'm like, oh, dang, how (laughs) am I going to afford this? (laughs) Oh, another thing I didn't mention is I was completely broke. I was a real estate agent because I had lost all my money flipping houses. Oh, snap. It's like, how am I going to pay for this? And, you know, they want kind of like a huge party and have fun. And You know, we could have done something, you know, humble or somewhere, but I was like, we we should make a grand and have, you know, like enjoy everybody flying in. But uh, it was 250 people that were going to come. So I was like, how are we going to pay for this? Well, I know that we can create content and I know that we've been reached out to brands, or uh, reached out from brands to do brand deals. I'll start cold calling like look. I was calling brands and asking for their digital content department. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I talk to your um, sponsorship people? Like before, there was a term. Now there are departments. Yeah, and so that was my first opportunity. Wow. But the did rate you I use w- like
0: LinkedIn? Like what did you use to like get a phone no, number?
1: I would go to their website mm. and I would get customer service. Dude, this is lines. A real hassle. Oh yeah, and I just went through the whole process. That's okay. Safe. And I didn't even really have that much success in terms of numbers. I think for every 50 I called, I had one yes. Mm. And so we ultimately had like five or eight. So just do the math. That's like hundreds and hundreds. I never, ever pitched a brand ever since then. They always came to me. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that's for everybody. But you're talking our biggest deals, right? Five figures, six figures, multiple six-figure deals all came from brands approaching us. For us, that has been the format because it all starts with the content and it, with your audience. Mm-hmm. So as you have better content that people resonate with and you grow an audience, the brands want to work with you. Really the, the question at that point is who you're going to work with. There's a whole nother you know, thing we can dive into there.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. And I love that. I love that you know you took your real estate cold calling skills. <laughs> yes. And then, yes. So like, how much did you make for your wedding?
1: Okay, so, um, by the way, we didn't have banners at the wedding. You didn't have, like, a sash (laughs) that said, hey, Sony's, like, sponsoring this. It's being shot on a whatever DSLR. Yeah, because, like,
0: I think, like, that is a train of thought people have. It's like, okay, if I do this brand deal, I got to put them on blast. Or if I do this brand deal, I must hit a certain... Number of sales.
1: Yeah, yeah. So all the content was part of what we call a wedding series. In fact, Sean Cannell was the one that produced all that. That's how our relationship actually started, right? He was the production. I was the deals guy. Judy was the talent. We didn't kind of look at it that way. We're just a team trying to hustle and get by. And so when you say, oh, so how much was sponsored? So back then we did trade deals as well. So like the dress, we worked with a really famous dress company and they provided the dress. Um, we did work with okay. Another thing we did was, again, okay, I'm getting hello back to yeah, the OG days now, right? Like it's bringing back some memories, because I was so desperate at the time that I would do deals with companies and I try to find a creative way to integrate them. Mm. So we talked about Beats by Dre. Uh, I think it was that brand that gave us uh, headphones that we gave to our, what do you call it? Like the uh, the entourage, Groomsmen. the grooms and the and uh, bridesmaids. bridesmaids. and We gave them headphones, um, but they sponsored that episode and that was the engagement party.
0: Dude, that's so cool. And that was
1: part of the wedding series, okay, we wow. all had fun. Because, you know, there are engagement parties. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And you would and call we that get, like an
0: integration.
1: Yeah, and then like, so <laughs> so some of the guests were holding up the headphones after <laughs> we gave it to them. And that was the sponsor spot. That's tight. But you know what, I think uh, why I value that, it was always creative. Yeah. Because one of the number one mistakes when it comes to brand deals right now is everybody just treats it like a commercial. Mm. Podcast right now is horrible. They're just like, oh, and by the way, let's uh, thank our sponsor. Now they think that's the way to do it because maybe they saw other podcasts do it or it's become normal or people accept it. But how many people skip through that ad?
0: Right. Almost everybody. Do you skip through that? Yeah, especially when they stack them.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. When they have two or three, I'm like, forget about it. And then, they, and then it. they front load it. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes I'll not even listen to podcasts. I'm like, shh, I'm let out. me just go to something else. I don't want to, I don't want to waste my time skipping through all these yeah. things. So,
0: how would you advise a video podcast?
1: One of my philosophies around brand deals, the entire time we've been content creators, always be creative, always integrate in a way. Integration is a key. That's still entertaining and valuable for the viewer. See, a ad, a commercial really isn't valuable. If you think about YouTube, yeah. the reason people loved YouTube, there was no ads. Now, obviously, there's ads right now, right? By how many people skip yep. or kind of like just wait through the kind of like just getting to the video. Ultimately, if you're gonna do a brand deal and integrate it into the video, you have to think of a creative way to integrate it, mm. you know? And so that was in addition to working with brands we really love that are. Are good for our audience we only work with brands that trust us as creators that let us be creative mm. so that the content isn't cringy and isn't something that you know is is gonna bother the viewing experience that's good So it's just my philosophy but it's worked to get some of the biggest brands in the world um, year after year after year and I don't think it's affected the viewing experience
0: it's good. Yeah. Cause I've been thinking about, honestly, I, I, I feel, I, I feel like it's one of those things where I have only a certain amount of asks. Um, but I think about the mic I use, I use a very unique mic. Uh, I think about the cameras that I use and and how much I recommend it, but I also love it. I love the, the equipment that I use. Um, and you've been encouraging me on like potentially seeking out these brands and getting something like that where they can work with you creatively. You did it like a brand deal with Nike. How did you creatively deliver that, that, that brand deal with Nike?
1: So, um, it depends on the platform too, right? So for that, that was not as creative as a video ad. It was really our kids, you know, like, okay, back to school, for example, kids always go back to school. What do parents do when their kids go back to school? It is Buy new fr- shoes. But then what do they do at the first day of school? they take a picture of them, yep. right? like that's the oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my kid, they're finally in <laughs> second grade or fourth grade. So we kind of took that concept and we integrated wow. Nike into that, right? Like we're buying them new clothes, new shoes for the school year and that was kind of thing. See, it doesn't have to be extreme, right? You don't have to create a whole script and a whole production what's the most natural way to integrate them? Because if they ask us to do something that's totally wild or whatever, or just like read a special discount <laughs> kind of thing, we just don't do that kind yeah. of stuff. We do talk about messaging and call to actions, but it has to be in the midst of a creative way. So that was how we did the Nike deal, which is crazy because I never thought in a million years we would be able to work with a brand like that it's when so I first cool. started. But I do believe part of the reason big brands like that approach us is because our philosophy, i um, working with the brands that are not only the best for us, but best for the audience.
0: Mm, Dude, I love that. And I I love you brought a perspective again from the brand deal side of things that it's, it's more about affiliation partnering, um, you know, collaborating and not necessarily, it's not about sales. Like, and I thought, and when you were telling me, you were trying to expose me, you're like, oh my, this is why you could charge six figures for one brand deal is because people just like your likeness. They wanna be attached to your likeness. And it makes me think about professional athletes and how they get sponsored. There's not necessarily a, a true ROI on that. Like Nike just wants to associate with certain people. And, and that's, that's the value. The value is in that.
1: Um, so let me tell you a little dirty secret about the brand world, okay? How many creators get FOMO when they see other creators working with dope brands? Would you say it's common? Yeah. Brands get FOMO when creators work with competitor brands. That's awesome. I personally, if I was just starting out, right? By the way, I'm just going to literally give you advice, Omar. Please. If you want to work with certain brands... Rather than pitching them something, it's like, hey, can I please work with you? I wanna do this, this is all my thing, or whatever. Start building the relationship, but don't pitch. Just keep focusing on creating content, building your audience, and what's gonna happen is, if that brand doesn't get savvy to sponsor you, someone else will, and you can do one of two things take on that brand deal right and the that relationship we have guess what i do oftentimes like hey look at this we just did it with this brand what do you think about it and i just kind of let them whatever guess what the fomo starts building up they're like hey what can we do to potentially work with you next time or i'll take that opportunities because oftentimes they come in the form of an email right Mm -hmm. they're pitching us say hey you know I know that uh, we have a relationship and, you know, I, I value our friendship or, you know, it's been nice talking to you. Thanks for the free equipment, whatever. I got this offer. I really want to take it on, but I really want to work with you. And I have done that, I've leveraged the offer from competitor brands to get the opportunities. It's a totally different type of style of pitching because at that point, it's not like, I wanna do this with you and I can do this. It's like, look, this other brand wants to, I'm giving you the opportunity to get kind of first right of refusal. Yeah. And it's worked so many times. Now, I don't have to do that very often. What happens is if you build the relationship, they start following you, they see your content, they're the ones that's usually going to work out. But this is why I'm not really big on pitching, because when you're pitched, way more leverage, and it gives you a a, a better ability to charge more. Mm -hmm. Because when you're pitching them, it's like you're already asking them versus them asking you.
0: That's the really dynamic
1: good. is totally different
0: dude I love that and I, I think it's a it's a really cool opportunity to see content creation because like I help a lot of entrepreneurs so usually they're 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 sponsoring their own videos essentially and so there is that there's still I still got to run my business here but I think the brand deal you know um, path is really cool because it can just allow you to focus on the content and you can just because like you know, I, the thing that happens in my brain is like, okay, this podcast will lead to me selling like a challenge. And this challenge, I'll teach people a lot of free stuff. And then on that, at the end of the challenge, I'm going to let you, I'm going to invite you into a more intimate, you know, coaching and consulting. Uh, but I still got to run my coaching and consulting business. It would be cool in a day that I can literally just focus on the podcast yeah, and like not even have to do a business. My yeah. business is the content. And I think that is, uh, those are the two ways that you can approach it, and sometimes find that hybrid. Honestly, I think you could find a cool hybrid, and maybe I feel like one of that day's coming close, but that is like the, the, the Mr. Beast way is, is that, is like your, your content is your business versus a, a person who has a business behind it. It's like my videos is a, uh, a means to me doing business. Yeah. And so, yeah,
1: Um, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be super contradicting to people I coach. Okay, about brand deals. When I coach you on working with brands and getting brand deals and how much to charge, I don't want you to become an expert at brand deals. I just want you to be an expert at working with brand deals. I want you to be even better at creating content because, again, the reason brands want to work with you and sponsor your video is because you have the audience, you know how to create the content, and you literally do laps around whatever they could do themselves, yeah. or production companies that take 20 people in a house <laughs> right. to do something that literally one person could have done on their own on these platforms they use. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you know, TikTok, all, all the things that people use. And so the reason I bring this up is so many people want to know, how do I get the brand deals? How, what do I say to them? If you are a creator that focus on your content and building a relationship with our audience, brand deals are just going to start coming your Mm. way. And, of course, you could work with agencies and managers or maybe, you know, like you you start hiring people to reach out. But I'll tell you, in all the years that I've done all the most epic uh, uh, sponsorships and work with these amazing brands, I have rarely, rarely had to go out of my way to pitch, right? You know, I go to events and shake hands, uh, network and build a relationship, get phone numbers and emails, but I am getting deals for both my wife and myself, not because I'm this brand expert, it's because I know how to create content. And this kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation why I'm excited about vlogging, because if you know how to create content, and you know how to build an audience, the opportunities follow.
0: So good. I think something that you probably don't talk about often is your family life. And like, yes, it's a family vlog you guys do, but you have five kids, f- starting five basketball team. <laughs> and, and you know, I just, I commend the way you have lived your life. I know you live way below your means and like paid off cars you can, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I want some insight on how have you been able to stay so grounded, even uh, with the success, the notoriety. I know when you, when you guys go out in public, like in the Philippines, it's like you get, you know, bombarded. Yeah. Uh, and even just generally, like, um, how, how have you been able to do that?
1: Well, definitely we're purposeful. Uh, we know that we could get nicer cars and build a bigger house, which by the way, now that I have seven people plus my wife's (laughs) dad, we definitely need a bigger house, right? But we've lived in the same house, even with our business succeeding more and more and more. Um, So staying ground is really important to us just as a family. That's just a personal preference, right? has nothing to do with YouTube or content or whatever. Secondly, there is a strategic side of it. I would rather invest in my business, grow my brand, travel the world, uh, create better content, work with you or travel here than to spend it on things that, you know, maybe become a liability, Mm. Um, you know, debt or whatever. So I always suggest to creators, even as you're succeeding, it doesn't always just go up and up and up. Sometimes it goes down and there's gonna be volatility, right? There's gonna be challenges, whatever. So, having uh, less debt, less bills, not overextending yourself is a strategy for your business to get over those hurdles. You just asked me, well, why didn't Judy burn out? We never had those moments where we were so stressed. Mm. We just had to stop. That's really good. And uh, take a break. I love that. That's what's so crazy to me. Even to me, when I tell you that, I, I, I use this example actually all the time. Have you seen the movie Forrest Gump? Yes. And the running scene is literally my favorite one because <laughs> he's wearing these Nike Cortezes and yeah. he's running. Those are the worst shoes ever to run in, right? That's an old Nester. But what does he do that's so impossible when he's running? What did he do? I don't know. Do you remember? No. He ran across the country. Oh, okay, yeah. But then he ran back across the country, (laughs) and he did that multiple times. And there's this scene at the very end when he's running and people finally, like, they're, like, so amazed by him, they start running too and following him, and he had a crowd of 100. And he he just stops in the middle of the desert. He turns around. He says, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to go home. And he, like, walked through, and everybody's kind of pissed, like, what are we going to do, right? I've been waiting for that moment with Judy forever. Mm. And it hasn't. And it is these simple things that we've done that sustained us. We're doing something that we love, that we're passionate about. So whether it's difficult, or we're succeeding, or it's hard, or it's easy, we just keep doing it. S- secondly, we do live beneath our means. We aren't overextending ourselves. We're not trying to do more than we know we can handle right even though i'm ambitious she like really tamps me down and so that's helped us get through those hard times because a lot of creators burn out because of getting canceled or you know like uh they're not getting as many opportunities as too competitive so again like steady freddie is mm. partly about that i think the third thing too is we understand that you always have to work hard. So, what happens is people start getting smart. They want to scale. They want to get a team. They want to optimize and have all these systems. Well, what happens is there's somebody else willing to do more than you, right? Mm-hmm willing to put up way more content. So working hard never stops. That's it good. is kind of an unsexy thing because like I don't want to work hard forever. Yeah. Well I think working hard good. is necessary no matter what you're doing. Now your role might change, right? You might be in a leadership position. So I think that's that's something that Judy and I realize because when we see people that have quick success, right? Or do really well and then they start getting fancy and then they start like like oh how to get smarter um, and not work as hard, I think that's a good thing to do. But the working hard is where the magic is. Yeah. And so I told you, I just started vlogging again on my food channel that was literally dead in the water, and I uploaded 30-plus videos in 30 days, right? 30, day, 30 videos in 30 days. I've learned more in that 30 days than I have in the last three years. Wow. There's something about the reps. I keep saying yeah. it. I'm going to exhaust it till it's no, dead. that's good. That's everything, and this is why people that upload a lot of content learn. And this is why your thousands of videos that you've shot, edited, and uploaded—you can't discount it.
0: That's really good, and and then I guess as we're tailoring off, you like how do you guys parent five kids? Okay, yeah. I just had a newborn. We're like we're at two, yeah. and Ruby's five, so she can help. Yeah, but already is a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, we like if you're lo- in business, entrepreneur. Yeah,
1: we love parenting. Number one, two, we both work from home. So I do have a studio but it's really close to my house. And we're always around. Now, I've got an amazing family. They've always been very involved. My sister, she helps us take care of the kids when we have our workday. But our workday is pretty short, like mm. three to five hours. And, uh, you know, there, there's no easy, quick advice for parents It goes back to what I just said about succeeding in business. Parenting is hard. And if you embrace that and you're okay with that, what you realize is on the other end, the gift that you give is worth way more than avoiding the stress and the hassle of parenting. Somebody just cut my hair yesterday so I could look fancy for your interview, right? Dude, I just
0: got a fade too. Shout out to Gene the barber. He (laughs) he was like, bro, put the camera on the side of your face so that you can... All right, anyway, And the person cutting my (laughs)
1: hair told me... um, I don't really want to have kids. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, why is that? It's like, oh, man, I know something could happen to them, and it's going to cost a lot of money, and it's going to it's gonna be really stressful. And then I thought, okay, cool. It's so like I'm not going to try to change this person's life and <laughs> tell them to be – I just met them yesterday. Bro, just give okay? me a haircut. Like a complete no, stranger. Okay? Yeah. But, you know, it was something that got brought up because they asked me about, you know, like my kids, right? And I said, I got five girls. So I oh, my gosh, five girls. So later on, just – out of the organic nature of the conversation, and said, You know, but if I did have kids, I know I'd be a good parent. I was like, Oh, really? So why don't you have kids? Mm-hmm. It's like, <sighs> I'm just scared. I'm just scared of all those unknowns. What I'd say is embrace the fear, but don't be scared. You'll learn how to get through all those hard times as a parent. I had twins when I said I had, Judy had twins, yeah. I was just the supporting <laughs> yeah. role, right?
0: I get it, bro. I get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> and we don't really remember what happened during those three months when we had the twins, I right? It's a blur. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's like, I don't have me- a lot of memories of that three months except the, pho- the, the photos and the videos, but it leveled me up. Mm. It leveled me up so much that we had two more kids after that. It's possible. There's people that have six, seven, eight kids, right? So it's funny. You asked me, how do you do it? There is no one way to do it. With parenting, it's whatever works for you. Make sure they survive. Make sure they eat. Make sure they sleep. That is really the key three things. Everything else is all like whatever. The reason I tell the story about that one person, they're just scared of like what they see other people going through but you're going to figure it out and and there's really no advice it it, the reason is because this whole time i'm talking about things i'm very competent on right youtube vlogging content creation brand deals i'm still not even an expert with parenting i still got 20 more years right i just had a baby a couple years ago you're always learning people just overthink it, you know, and you just got to put out the effort. You've got to be there. And nature kind of takes care of itself. Like I said, make sure they don't die, make sure they're fed and make sure they sleep. Everything else, it just kind of happens. And uh, sorry, I have no fancy advice. No, right I there. love it. No, that's <laughs> really
0: good. And it is just accepting it. And um, and I feel the same way. Those blurry seasons, you, you just get through them. And then you look back and you're like, dang, we got through it. It's awesome. Dude, I appreciate you. This has been such an enlightening conversation. I think it's going to help so many people. Um, I, I actually, uh, if you're watching or listening, I consolidate what we talk about into action items in a newsletter. And so you can grab that newsletter uh, by clicking the link below. But could you just let people know what you got going on? I know you said you have a, a, a brand deals, or a creator, of vlog.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the URL, by the way, vloggingacademy.com. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll put it. What, what's the content? Okay, cool. What's the content? Oh, yeah, so, course? you
1: know, the best way to follow me, right? Because I have so many different channels. If you want to see what I'm doing, because that's what I teach, go to my food channel, Benji Man TV. Okay. If you just type in Benji Travis food or whatever, you'll see my channel. I'm vlogging every single day. This is in, in addition wow. to our other vlogs. So we do five vlogs a week as a family channel. Are you just
0: doing like vlogs on that cha- the food channel? Like, is it around food or it's not even around food?
1: It's all food. Okay, okay. It's the new way to vlog.
0: Okay. And so if Oh, that's you want, cool. So if you want the format and formula of the new way to vlog.
1: Right there. And the yeah, second place good. is on Instagram, TV, same thing. Um, follow me in those two places because anything I do or teach, I'll be sharing on there. And of course, maybe you can share some links down below. Yeah. Um, but those are the two places because uh, this old man, this fogie, this grandpa of YouTube decided, <laughs> you know... All the things I've been coaching people for years, I wanna actually get back into the ring and do. And that's why I'm pumped about this channel that I've brought back to life because I am actually making more revenue on that channel than I ever did before. Wow. I'm getting more views in a month time period than I ever did when I had you know, like a whole production and I was optimizing my videos and I, that channel's growing again after three years of not uploading. That's awesome. And so go to that channel, definitely put the link down below, because uh, you, of course, you know I wanna coach people and teach about it, but you can see what I'm doing and see the new style of vlogging, even if you're just starting out, it's replicatable by a beginner.
0: So good, dude, I appreciate you, thanks for being on. We'll do a, a, maybe a part two with you and Judy, and I Sounds feel like good. that'll be a fire combo.
1: Yeah.